The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the home for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code worth 10% off your next order at fansets.com. Fansets, our pins have character. Los Angeles 2024, Sanctuary Districts, a half assimilation, and ICE agents. There's a lot to break down from this week's episode, so let's get right to it. I'm Mike Bovia, and we're California Dreaming on Discovering Trek Picard. Thanks for joining us on Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Now, that fall that Rios took in this episode looked pretty uncomfortable, and uh, his arrest at the end of the episode uh, looked even worse. But one thing's for certain, the crew we've put together for this episode could make you uncomfortable for sure. Well, let's start <laughs> introducing the team. So uh, we have a special guest this evening, and you know he hasn't had the chance to be on Discovering Trek since the midway point of Discovery, so we thought that maybe he could use a rehab assignment in the minors here with the B-team. So, Casey, <laughs> welcome to Discovering Trek Picard. Thank you, gentlemen. It's fantastic to be here. And it's like, yeah, you know, I felt it was like the off season. I go, I need to, <laughs> I need to warm up. I need to get that shoulder loose. Yep. Let's, let's play ball. And, and, and you know, as I'm recording here with you, uh, I'm, I'm losing the whole Kenny Loggins feeling. What I'm really seeing though is Tom Hanks and Castaway. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. well then, then I must, I must do more growth on the face <laughs> to bring that must, down. But yeah, you, you got to have Wilson somewhere in the background there. Uh, he floated away, man. You yeah. think they're friends for life and they just disappear <laughs> on you. Jerk. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I must say, I, lo I love that t-shirt though, to that vote for El Spaco t-shirt. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We did this, uh, a shirt for one of the productions I was working on. And uh, we, we had fun with it. And it's like, you know, if he runs, I'll vote. <laughs> there you go. So you've already heard him begin speaking, our other co-host, a regular co-host. Uh, if he were in Rio's situation at the end of the episode, he absolutely would be going back into that clinic. But it wouldn't be to help the doctor. It would be to make sure that he got that communicator to add to his collection. Uh, and I know, Jamie, that that is not even a speculation, that that is fact. Yes, I would definitely be getting the communicator. And I definitely would have ran out the back door, too. And the immigration <laughs> police came. I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have helped anybody out. So that, that, that much is true. <laughs> Jamie's a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> I mean, she she is cute. I'll, I'll give you that. But. Uh, knowing what I know about Rios and no identification, I, I definitely would have uh, been going out the back door <laughs> for yeah. sure. 
Well, he was definitely a stranger in a strange land because he had no idea what an ice agent was. He, he, I think he would have been running too if he knew what that what was going on there. Oh, yeah. So before we start discussing ice agents and the like, uh, Jamie, why don't you tell everyone where they can find us on social media? So if you'd like to follow the show on social media, you can find us at Discovering Trek, or you can join the conversation on Camp Kittimer. Just answer a few simple questions, and our admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, will let you in. And this is a reminder that this episode of Discovering Trek provides spoilers for the Picard episode, Assimilation. If you've not watched yet, head over to Paramount+, Plus, watch the episode, and then come back to listen to us. Failure to do so leaves you open to spoilers. Episode 203 of Star Trek Picard, Assimilation, aired March 17th, 2022, and was written by Kylie Rossiter and Christopher Monfett, and was directed by Lorraine Baines McFly, Leah Thompson. Picard and the crew travel back to 2024 Los Angeles in search of the Watcher, who can help them identify the point at which time diverged. Seven, Rafi, and Rios venture out into an unfamiliar world 400 years in their past, while Picard and Gerardi attempt to gather information from an unlikely and dangerous ally. So, gentlemen, as we begin our roundtable, uh, and we will start with uh, uh, the most well-liked guest around here, I guess, uh, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm the only guest. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, your competition's me, so the bar is low. <laughs> <laughs> so, thumbs up or thumbs down on this episode for you? Oh, th- thumbs up, my friend. So far, you know, the season, we're episode three, three for three so far. They really kind of changed what they were doing from season one. Uh, everything is strong, performances are great, and you know, we're going in a direction where I'm intrigued by what's going to be coming up. So definitely a thumbs up. How about you, Jamie? All right. So I, I give this two thumbs up and, and I will say, I, I definitely want to give props to Leah Thompson. I think she did a really nice job recording this episode. I love the, I love the whole Borg assimilation, dark themes that we saw with Agnes and, and, and the Borg queen, their interaction. Um, I think, uh, I, I think Allison pill did a hell of a job acting in this episode. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed. I thought the action sequences were great too, especially right in the beginning. Um, you know, obviously I can't wait to see where the, where the show goes from here. So I'm definitely going with the two thumbs up for sure. Uh, I'm definitely agreeing with you on the Allison pill front. And uh, I think we'll be hearing more about that as the show goes on, but uh, thumbs up for me as well. Um, I got to say one of the things so far, at least through the first three episodes is like, I'm on the edge of my seat throughout the whole thing, like longing for the next shoe to drop. I want to know what's happening. Um, I mean, that's, Mm that's the Mm -hmm. sign of some good storytelling because if you don't care, then it doesn't matter. Um, so for us to be like waiting and wanting, that's perfect. Um, so, uh, two thumbs up definitely for me. Library computer data being received. 
So, Jamie, we'll start with you. Key points for you from uh, this episode. Well, I, I will say this. I'm glad when they traveled through time that we didn't see the sculptures from Star Trek Four. Oh, you know, a lot of people want to see <laughs> those, was, though. I was begging for those floaty mannequin heads, man. I thought, I thought for a second that they might come. <laughs> But they did it. Um, <laughs> so I'm also I'm a little disappointed that obviously that John John Brionis died. Um, I was really hoping that he was going to go back in time with them, and I know my sci-fi sister is going to be very upset that John John um, was vaporized. Um, obviously, I think it's a very interesting plot point: um, the death of Elnor. Um, I do think that it's something that's going to drive this season. I think it's going to really, you know, like I've, like I've said in previous episodes, I think the loss of Laris will really drive Picard's character throughout the season. But I think the loss of Evan Evagora Elnor is really going to drive Rafi's character throughout the entire season. So I wonder what kind of dark place Rafi's going to go to um, because of what happened with Elnor. Um, I will say this, I was not a big fan and I'm sure I'm going to get a, a ton of hate mail and all sorts of stuff, but, um, I think Michelle Hurd did a nice job acting, but I really wasn't happy with the approach that they had with Rafi and how she reacted to the death of Eleanor. I get it. She's emotional. She's upset, but I just think I, I just felt that that whole sequence was a little over the top and a little overblown. And I felt like. I don't know. It, it just, I, I just didn't like it specifically myself. Well, you have no heart. I'm going to say that right <laughs> oh now. <laughs> well, I, like I said, I, I get it that I, I get it that she was emotional. I get it that she, just, but I, I think how she was treating everybody else, you know, Oh, okay. What was mm. that? I, I guess maybe I, didn't explain it well enough. I, I feel like how she, she kind of turned it around on Picard mm-hmm. and it, you know, a, any rational thinking person's going to say they're trying to fix the timeline. They need the board queen to fix mm-hmm. the timeline. And that's how they're going to save Eleanor's life. And I, I just feel like I, I just wasn't a big fan of that sequence. My, my personal opinion. I, I, I see. So the, the post death sequence when they're yes. all, around talking mm-hmm. about the situation. I got and, you. Okay. And, and I, and like I said, I think Michelle heard did an incredible job acting. I think everything up to that sequence was phenomenal. I, I just think that, and I, and I guess, you know, it is really how Rafi's character is, you know, we've seen, you know, pieces of, or, or components of that type of personality in season one, how she can go from one extreme to the next and, and maybe isn't rational all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like when when you make seven of nine look like somebody that's more rational and, you know, mm. you make Girardi look like somebody who's more rational to me, that that doesn't make sense to me. I think I kind of get do where you think on part from. of this. They were making the decisions. Yeah, yeah pro- but do you think pro- part of this, they were making decisions for that character to to push forward to to get the narrative moving faster? Oh, I agree. I a hundred percent agree that that's what was happening. And, and like I said, I feel like this is the, the, the writers are making a, a distinct choice here 
yeah. to have this as like Rafi's driving force throughout the whole seat, you know, mm-hmm. and I even kind of predict like, you know, we're, she's going to be dealing with Elnor, whether through flashes or like, we're going to see this throughout the rest of the season. Just like mm-hmm. I think Picard's going to see flashes of Laris throughout the, the it, it's going to be these losses are to me are the theme of season two. The fact that these characters are having distinct losses, huge losses in their lives that are pushing their characters um, to make decisions, rash decisions or emotional decisions, wherever they may be, they're being driven by the losses that they're experiencing. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. How about you, uh, Casey? Key points that you found? I found that there were... I was seeing what I, I think, you know, little foreshadowing precursors for stuff. Um, you know, we, we've seen the butterfly emblem. So we saw that, you know, on the former USS Van Halen that, you know, La Serena. <laughs> I love that. Color oh, scheme. I love Come that. Come on, baby. <laughs> I was like, why? Um, you know, with, with all the cargo that uh, 79 was protecting. And then we see that at the clinic. And then, you know, Alison Pill talks about, we got to be careful of butterflies. So there's all these, these little things that are happening that may have already influenced part of the future that we don't know about. Um, so int- very intrigued about that. And, you know, if they are able to recover the, the timeline, what things will be reversed brought back how, how things will go um it was kind of interesting to see i mean we've we've visited time travel before with trek and you know the slingshot and it was part of it i en- very much enjoyed seeing again and part of it was like oh hey okay hey, we've been there mm-hmm. and with production going to basically the production of the time period to mm-hmm. you know you lower costs a whole hell of a lot yeah. was just uh, just a bit I was like going boy it would have been really interesting to see if they would have gone 50 years from now yeah. uh, and certain things instead of falling back on that um but it also I think helps um emotionally ground the entire story because we can all relate to what we're seeing there's cars there's traffic there's you know trash on the streets there's LA there's smog Wow, what a surprise. Right. It's like, oh, real things. Okay. So that there's a little bit more acceptance of the, the sci-fi elements coming in. Um, I I want to see more of evil psycho Q. I mean, this isn't this does not seem to be playing a game anymore. This is somebody's off their rocker, you know, and gonna pull a, a Norman Bates situation or something going on there. And how is that going to affect everybody? And boy, are we are we like finally getting an evil, evil Borg queen that oh, scares man. the bejesus out of you? Mm-hmm. This one, for the first time, Worshing, she is fantastic. I go, this incredible is creepy as all get out. Woo. Yeah, yeah, she is. She is absolutely incredible. And I, and I will say, I, I like the element of going back to like our modern time. Um, I think if, if we went 50 years into the future, we're almost be like first contact 
because that's almost mm. kind of the time period of yeah, first contact. True. It's kind of like almost feel like that's been done before, but I love Voyage Home. Uh, Voyage Home is like real comfort food to me. And, and I just, I love interacting with what we know as like modern, you know, modern mm-hmm. history that them interacting with that. But, uh, you know, like you said, that Borg Queen, she is incredible, you know, mm. and, and and I think Allison Pill too is like, right. she's just getting better and better as the episodes yeah. go on. Like I, I'm, and I know I'm like skipping ahead to like production, but I'm, I'm all in on the Allison oh. Pill, Girardi, Borg Queen theory now. Like I'm all in. Right. Um, yeah. Hey, let, let me just say that that was my prediction from episode one. So bam, <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about that prediction. As you should, as you should, there's, there's stuff going on there and, totally. you know, with, with all the elements that we've got going on in, in this particular episode, um, it's a good, like you said, continuation. We're moving forward in the story. So things are, are, are keep happening. Um, I like that there's friction, you know, between Rafi and everyone else just for dramatic reasons. Um, and that, however, that character is processing, you know, being right there when someone dies and going, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to channel all this rage and sadness, whatever, into action. And mm-hmm. it might not be the best action to take at the moment, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to get us moving along because like she says, you know, I, I'm going to think we fix the timeline. He's alive. Yep. And, and that's how it's going to have to be. And that, I think, part of it gives us, um, as the audience, um, besides them saying, you know, hey, we've got a certain amount of time to find, you know, watch and all this, is that is like, okay, we got to move fast here. This isn't, I mean, the, you know, you're going and go, somebody's here who maybe can help us and we don't know who or how to kind of, I mean, think about the odds of finding what could help you (laughs) and and what what small or one event is the thing that changes all of time Mm -hmm. how are you going to do that um so i want a little bit of ground with with that person of okay you know you're, you're gonna act and and maybe not think everything through each time but um, pulling all the characters with you, like, nope, action. We're going to just move and move and move. And since we know it's a three, it's a three season series, that's it. Right. You know, that's what they've said. So each one of these episodes sure as heck really better count. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Getting back to what you were saying there, like that moving to action, Rios and seven are sitting there trying to figure out where they should go. And she's like, Nope, I've already figured it out. Highest point. We got to go there. It's the best chance for us to find what could be out there. And the two of them are like, yeah, you're absolutely right. And here she is. Like I've gotten my notes that uh, going back a little bit to Jamie's point, Rafi psyche is paying the price once again. Mm. Um, you know, she's getting kicked in the teeth, just like she did in season one. Um, except she's experiencing 
a literal loss, not a figurative one like she did with her son. Um, she's mm-hmm. experiencing the actual loss of Elnor. And, you know, to a certain extent, uh, she's lost seven for, you know, kind of a way. So mm-hmm. she's got a little, she's got a lot going on in her head right now. Um, so I'm very interested in the queen's fascination with Gerardi and all these little names that she keeps giving her, like the fragile teacup. Um, and just, I, I can't wait to see how this manifests itself. Like I, I kind of feel like just off of this episode, we can tell where it's leading to, but I, I want to see the dots connected. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. Also, I think that, you know, this is not a series that I was thinking we were going to get little Easter eggs in. And yet we're getting sanctuary districts in this episode and really tying into that whole past tense from deep space nine (laughs) and then more real world stuff. You know, the ice officers that we talked about already, Uh, they talked about uh, the 24th, 25th century uh, vaccination chips. Come on. I I know that that was (laughs) a, a political drop in there. You know, it, gone are the days where Star Trek is an allegory. Um, it, it's not allegory anymore. We're just coming. It, it's a full frontal assault. If you know, if it's something that they don't like, hey, it's an open canvas to go after. Hey, I'm cool with it. <laughs> no, well, yeah. When they're talking about, like you said, the vaccination and ID chips, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, yeah, you're not carrying around ID. <laughs> Right at that time, it's like, come on, they didn't have pockets in the uniforms for freaking how long? So, what are you carrying? It's like, no, you you are your identification, you are yeah. this, and it's happening. I hear yeah. you. Ooh. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, uh, I know you made the comment about that slingshot sequence. Um, I, I, I'm not, I would say, entirely impressed by it, like you said, you know, it's something we've seen before. I did think, though, it was cool how they took elements of the voyage home and first contact for the time travel scene and kind of Mm. put them both together with the um, with the Borg conduit that they Mm. jump through, but using the sun as the slingshot as well. Um, And that I didn't even pick up on until the other day when I was watching. I was like, oh, hey, wait a minute. That's like both things put together. And um I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, that they struck Mc- Mike McMahon right in the heart with the Rick and Morty tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that young kids that watching Rick and Morty, I was like, okay, that young kid's mature knowing yeah. what the heck's going on there. <laughs> like to take a moment to talk about fansets the presenting sponsor of the trek geeks podcast network fansets is the home of amazing pin collectibles the quality of the merchandise that they put out is second to none and 
it's not just Star Trek that they offer, as they have something for all types of fandoms, including Scooby-Doo, DC Comics, Batman 66, Harry Potter, and the Doctor's son's favorite cartoon, Rick and Morty. And as you all know, Fansets releases new pins twice a month. And their March 15th release, um, once again, gives us many new fun items. Uh, we have the Micro Crew. Uh, we're, we're taking us from many different parts of the franchise. We have Luxana Troy. We have Adira from Discovery. And we also have the one that I'm excited about, the um, Cetacean Ops Officer, Lieutenant J.G. Matt, the Beluga Whale from Lower Decks. And also, for those traveling to Mission Chicago next month, there will be three special pins released for this event. So keep an eye on fansets.com for those and over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins, including the Delta's Done Right collection, as well as micro crew pins, episode pins, and many other great designs. So once again, go to fansets.com, put a whole bunch of pins in your cart. And as a listener to the show, you can receive 10% off your next order from Fansets by using the code DISCOVERINGTREK at checkout. And remember that you receive free shipping in the U.S. on orders $30 or more. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. All right, so now we're transitioning into the portion of the show where I guess we're going to learn something about ourselves, uh, the overall message of this episode. So uh, I'll, I'll start off on this one. Uh, so I, I'm i kind of looking at this episode as uh, there's two characters here that are really discovering who they are, uh, Seven and Jurati. Um this is Seven's first experience as an unassimilated human. Now, she's obviously human in their regular timeline, but she has the experience of having been a Borg, and she also still has Borg implants on her, which, as she said in the first episode, it makes people hyper aware of what she used to be. Um, but she's so much more relaxed the way she is right now. She's comfortable around people. Uh, she gave the kid a little wink when she uh, when she beamed into the area. And even Rafi comments that, you know, uh, what is this whole thing with you? This whole laid back. This isn't the seven that I know. So she's really discovering who she is as a person. And then Gerardi as well. Uh, you know, we're seeing little snippets of it. But then with her connection to the queen, uh, and her subconscious, she talks about wishing that Picard was her dad, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then she finds her confidence after that, um, you know, just kind of laying it right out there on the queen. Hey, you know what? I stole stuff from you and there's not anything that you could do about it, which, you know, then the queen tells her that uh, you've done something difficult and dangerous. And that's impressing me, which is going to lead, I think, to more stuff down the road. But uh, yeah, discovery of who they are, I think, is of who you are, rather, 
is the message that I came across on with this one. How about you, Casey? Finding a particular message in this episode was, was a little bit tough for me. Um, I kept going back to on certain things of who, who, who you are. And part of it with uh, Dr. Dry, like she played a game, right? With the board queen and already had that in her and, but played it and, and kept the, uh, a, a certain facade. So to, to be able to do it and then went, Oh, by the way, I just jacked your information and you didn't know it. So I played you. You're not as smart as you think you are, and you don't know as much about me as you think. So I th- I think there goes into a certain thing of, of inner strength, all these characters. It's really interesting. Uh, seven and nine on certain certain spots you can see when the character is gets a little more stressed or something, it kind of re- she reverts back, playing it to more seven of nine, more Borgish. And then um, everything that's going on, you know, Rios being, being that bastard, as they say, it's like they, the doctor tells you to get out of the back and has dealt with these agents before do what the person says who has dealt with this situation and you haven't. And, you know, has that, he's got the, you know, I'm going to do the heroic moment, which blows up in his face, but that's kind of part of who he is. And you, we keep seeing, um, certain elements or hints dropped of who these people are and true to their nature, whether it's good or bad in a particular situation. And, um, I kind of think on that is like, okay, who, who are we as an individual in everything? Um, and are, are we who we think we are or are we, you know, something different? It's like, who do you want to be when you grew up? Who are you actually when you grow up? Um, and are, are we still growing up? You know, we're not just aging, but are, are we, are we changing in certain things? So I, I think, a lot of stuff which I've seen so far in the season of Picard uh, is digging digging deep into each character and finding out more of this is who I think I may be and would act. And actually, when something comes up, this is who I am and how I act. And I think for for all of us, that can be an everyday situation of of finding out. Okay, who who are we? in reality to ourselves. Uh, the only thing I'm going to add to that is uh, I am just aging. I haven't been growing up at all. <laughs> Moisturizer, my man. <laughs> I, I, I age and I gain weight, but uh, the, uh, the, the maturity still hasn't peaked yet. <laughs> all right, Jamie, you're up. Well, I'm going to kind of stay on my same theme of loss, you know, and I know I keep using this trope over and over and over again, but I really think that this season is really analyzing how these characters cope with loss. And, um, you know, we talk about Raffi and how she's going to cope with the loss of Elnor and we see how her character is 
you know, once again, trying to take charge and ha- she's like one track mind. I've got to fix this and nobody else is going to make a good decision. I'm going to make all the decisions. Cause I'm the one that can, you know, get Elnor back. Um, but like, I look at seven and, and her character is kind of in a, in a weird spot right now. And I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of drop this little, this little uh, nugget here. I wonder if seven is going to not want to change the timeline for the simple fact of this timeline. She's never been assimilated by the Borg. So, you know, and there were several scenes in this episode where she's once again, looking in the mirror, looking at that missing Borg component, that thing that she lost and and it's affected her. It's changed how she is. She isn't as aggressive as she normally is. You know, like I look at Raffi and that's more how I in picture seven being in most circumstances that take charge, like I'm going to jump ahead and I'm going to do all these things. She's almost kind of taking a back seat. I feel like she almost feels like she's lost with everything that's going on. And I think she's struggling to decide whether or not, you know, she really wants to have that timeline where she was assimilated by the board because of what that did to her. So that's going to be a concept that I think might be explored throughout this season of whether or not she wants to go back or not and have that as part of her life. Um, I look at Rios and I, I really see how they're setting up later on in the season, almost that city on the edge of forever type thing with this doctor that at some point he's going to have to make a decision. I think he's going to fall in love with this doctor and it's going to go back to this whole butterfly thing of how it's going to change the timeline. And he's going to have to make a decision as to whether or not he's going to stay with her or whether or not he's going to do what's right to correct the timeline. Um, And then even Agnes, I feel like we're going to lose Agnes more and more to this Borg persona. Um, this little interaction she had with the Borg, it is, it is just, it's not going to stop here. It, it's just, she's going to lose a piece of herself or that there's going to be some sort of addiction that she's going to want to go back to that, you know, hooking back up to that Borg or linking back up or, or wanting to be a part of that. Um, so I see that once again, it's just kind of this theme of loss. She's going to lose some of herself to, uh, to that, um, Borg queen. So a lot of interesting things going on for sure. And, you know, to be honest, I really don't, I, I absolutely don't think that season two is going to wrap up with a nice bow. I think we're really going to see this be like a two season arc of this time travel thing. But I think even at the end of season three, I still don't think it's going to be tied up like a nice bow. I think there's going to be major changes to the timeline based on what happens in these two seasons. And, there's going to be irrevocable damage um, permanently. I got to say that's, that's really deep on the seven front. I don't think I've thought of things from that perspective. I definitely thought of the Rios aspect. Uh, I don't know about tying it into city on the edge of forever, but I can, I can definitely see that. I was thinking that, uh, that this is the new, this is the new Saru Tarina uh, couple here. Um, I don't even remember what her name is. All I remember is she's the doctor. I think it's Teresa. Yes, you're right. But I mean, you can almost even make her the Jillian Taylor character almost. Right. You know, like, does Kirk really fall in love with her? Eh, Not really. But 
you know, she kind of, you see that they're kind of like trying to have her play that role of, you know, that person that's, you know, kind of the attachment in this timeline, Mm -hmm. you know, in this time period, I should say. Um, But I think, I think she's definitely going to be a love interest for Rios. And I, you know, like I said, I think it's going to put Rios in a tough spot where he's going to choose, you know, whether or not to be with her or, or do what he needs to do to, to fix the timeline for sure. Hmm. Jamie put a lot of thought into this week. (laughs) (laughs) I really did. (laughs) (laughs) Starfleet command is proud to present you the Christopher Pike medal of honor. All right. Our awards round where we award people with our, with our fake participation trophies for this episode. So Casey, why don't you lead off for us? Oh gosh. Well, I think this is going to be a lot from everybody. I think most definitely Annie Wershing, right? Allison pill. Uh, they're getting some great writing going on right now. So this, this is kind of a, an award to the writers and then to the actors uh, fulfilling this on screen for us. Um, there's a lot going on there. And I, I I honestly hope that they keep teasing it gently as, as we go along instead of hitting us over the head of what, what might happen. Um, but, you know, really strong performances here where those scenes so far... I think have been the best scenes of, of this series. And the two of them are stealing this series for me. And I just go, you know what? More of them together and that whole interaction and uh, the play that's going on between these two characters of both, both really wanting to be the one in charge and to overtake the other one in some way. And, and they're, you know, they're little gambits of, of how they're doing it. And, um, you know, please, more, please more, more of that. I dig it. Um, and then I also, you know, for Saul Rodriguez as, as the Dr. Teresa coming in, in as, a new character that may be in for the long term might not on something like this can be really difficult. And so giving it some importance and meaning um, gravitas, if you want, is, is, is a hard thing to do. So I appreciated the work that she's putting in there. And I'm really hoping that this is not just a love interest. I'm hoping this is something where it causes some existential thought process going on for Rios of not, you know, not do I stay here for the love of this one person, but do I stay here to improve the situation for everyone else? Because I know certain things that could happen or do I, do I help inspire this other person to be the one where the doctor is the one who really takes everything and, and this, Besides, okay, I'm not going to just do one clinic. I'm going to be helping as many people as possible. And that grows 
throughout the generations. I mean, she's got a son right there who's, you know, impressionable. And it's like, does this just really, really build? So when we're getting first contact, when we're moving beyond things that who are the people who rebuild earth after all the crud that happens. And so that we become this, this better place and that it's not, you know, maybe Rios is, is whispering, you know, whispering in the ear and just giving the gentle nudge for this person who has all this talent and passion and drive already and goes, okay, hey, hey, let's do this. So, you know, so far, great acting and, you know, great writing. And when you have limited amount of, of episodes, thank you for making them count each and every time. Amy? Well, I'm going to, I love everything Casey said there. Annie Warshing and um, Allison Pill, they, they're going to take my first award. Um, just phenomenal acting. And, you know, to Casey's point, they really are stealing the show um, early on. And I, I, <laughs> I, I just I can't say enough good things about it. Um, but my second award is going to go to Leah Thompson. Um, I think she did an incredible job act, uh, directing this episode, directing the action directing the Borg sequences uh, like Borg queen Girardi, those whole, how they did that, the camera angles, I just think was really good. And, and I always, I think Leah Thompson's a great actress. Didn't know that she had the chops to, to be a director. And obviously she does. Cause she did a phenomenal job and I look forward to, cause I know she, she directed episode four as well. So I look forward to seeing what she does in that episode as well. So that's my number two award. Number three, I really like the music in this episode. Um, I loved California Dreams. I thought it, I thought it just added this cool little vibe. Um, but I loved all the suspenseful music. You know, I love the music through the time travel. I love the music through that sequence between the Borg Queen and and Agnes. It just it really built suspense. I even love the ending credits music. I just, I just felt it was the right selection of music. It fit the vibe in, in every scene. So um, I'm going to give the music a, a nod at number three. Cool. Well, you guys have both kind of commented on a couple of the uh, people that I've gotten my awards. Um, you know, first off, I'm not going to beat it to death, but we've already, we've all talked about Allison pill. And, you know, by extension, Annie Wershing working with her, the acting during that partial assimilation, um, first off by Allison Pill, how she had to jump in emotional range from one point to another. Uh, she just did so good with that. But then at the same time, her and Annie Wershing going back and forth, uh, like sharing that mind. Uh, was just was just great work all around. Uh, Jamie, I'll echo you uh, with Leah Thompson once again. I, I had I had known that she had directed uh, some of the Caroline and the City episodes that she had done. I did not know that she was able to. Uh, I guess not able to. That's that's the wrong term. I didn't know that she was doing stuff of this caliber. Um. And so, I mean, mm -hmm. awesome, mm -hmm. awesome. Um, and I, I hope that 
this episode and the following one is just like her her toe dip into the water for the franchise and that they begin using her in other portions of the franchise as well. And then finally, uh, I know Jamie's going to disagree with this based on his key points, uh, but I'm giving an award to Michelle Hurd. <laughs> so, you know what? Uh, the thing with the thing that really stood out to me here is as an actor, I, I think to portray emotions in your voice, you know, not being an actor, I can't say that it's easy, but seeing other people do it, it seems like a lot of people can portray it in their voice. Michelle in this episode did it with her voice and with her face. She was portraying someone who was deeply deeply in grief for what was happening, what had happened with Elnor and then was able to continue that throughout the show. Um, going through those stages of grief throughout, you know, kind of pushing it off to the side, like we said, and just trying to keep moving forward. Uh, when seven tries to ask her if they, if she needs to talk about it, she says, Nope, I don't need to talk about how he died in my arms. Let's just get this done so that, uh, you know, hopefully he comes back. So, I mean, awesome acting on her part. Um, I thought she did very well last year with the emotional acting. Uh, this took the cake for me. Um, I can't say enough about her with this episode. I just want to correct. I did say that Michelle Hurd did a phenomenal job. I'm, acting. I am just busting your chops, man. <laughs> I did no, because I don't want I don't want <laughs> to be the the the, the yeah. people to think that I wasn't for hate props, for but, hate mail. It yeah. is Jamie at. <laughs> no. Oh jeez. I think she did a phenomenal job acting what she was given. Um, yeah. I just yeah. didn't agree with what the writers I, did with the character in that no, moment. That's I, I want to clarify. I, no, I, I completely understood you. I just had to take, I just had to take the chance to kneecap you there. <laughs> what a coast. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> Please specify how you would like to proceed, sir. All right. Predictions. And uh, Jamie gets to go first and he's had, I, I think he has mentioned predictions in every section of this episode. Yeah, so, so hopefully <laughs> exactly he gets Ho to go again. <laughs> hopefully you got something new for this part. Uh, not really. <laughs> I, I'm just, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the, I'm all in on Agnes Girardi being the board queen that, that she was the one that went to, you know, in the time rift to get Picard in episode one. I'm all in on that theory. That's Girardi. And I, you know, I'm going to also go with the, I don't think season two or even season three for that matter is going to end with a nice bow. I think season two is going to end with a Tim Burton planet of the apes type ending at the end of season two. They're going to think that everything is corrected, that they did everything they're supposed to do. And then they're going to go back to the modern time. And it's going to be more screwed up than when they left. You're killing like, me, Smalls. That's that's what I think is going to happen at the end of season two. It's going to be really messed up. So those are my predictions for this week. Jamie Bright Eyes right there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. All right, Casey, what about you? Oh, my man. I, you know, um, Allison built. Yeah. That the, the whole board queen thing there is very intriguing and interesting. Um, I'm going to kind of go with, I'm just going to say Rios stays in the past. Um, I'm going to say he, he decides to do that and to work on making and helping humanity be better to maybe get to where they already were. Um, I don't know. Could be way off on that one. But this the series seems to be willing, more than willing to take certain chances and things we don't know. We know nothing about this character, really. Yeah, he's all. like Han, he's like Han Solo. He's like the Han Solo character. He doesn't oh, yeah. have a mama, doesn't have a papa, you know. Yeah. So you go, you know, there could be little things um that he chooses to chooses to do on that one. Um the whole, I keep going back to Laris and I go, you know, I hope this is not a throwaway character on there. So Me maybe too. after everything that happens here, Picard realizes to live life, not to just exist, but to live life. And there's this person in front of you who seemingly loves you and appreciates you. And there's, there is obviously affection back but um you know i'm hoping they they get picard character off this loner i'm gonna be the martyr for space thing and that that happens otherwise on predictions i'm man i'm trying not to reach too far ahead because i don't i don't know i don't know if i want to spoil myself on certain things but it's like other stuff i'm not gonna say right now because i just like god there's there's seeds being planted and a lot of little stuff i think and um i want to i want to see what happens with with the with the butterfly i want to see if that becomes a much bigger thing for starfleet and you know what does that mean for like starfleet medical what does that mean for as they say, exploring, you know, strange new places. Mm-hmm. Is it to, are, are we more of a, I have to use the word humanitarian uh, organization, not military. And does that influence how mm. the, the future and has the timeline that we've been watching been for all these years change through what, you know, Picard does because we really don't know. I mean, looking at stuff in discovery, we don't know. There's that huge chunk of time. Yep. There could be things that radically change or minimally change for us the, of like, Oh, we've, we've kind of been watching the offshoot for a while and, mm. and this is what it really is. I don't know. I'm Interesting. guessing. Interesting. Uh, I talking about those butterflies just reminded me of the butterfly people from episode one of discovery season four. <laughs> They're not butterfly people. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. I will have, you know, that I tried to kill the predictions uh, section 
Um, and everyone else vetoed me. So I said, all right, we'll leave it in. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to, well, I guess not go back to, we talked a little bit last week about how we have not seen Issa Brionis hardly at all in this season so far. Her father has had more screen time than her. So I'm going to say that she's probably going to be the watcher. I'm thinking, you know, maybe not, maybe not Soji. I I have a hard time believing it would be someone played by her that also carries the name Soji. Um, But I think Issa Brionis is going to play whoever this watcher is. And of course, I mean, I think, I think the easiest uh, piece to predict is that uh, Elnor is going to be back somehow, some way. Yeah. Um, They're not, they're not killing that guy. Too many people liked him. You don't kill a character that's liked. Oh, so with all of that said, we now get to move forward next week on Star Trek Picard with time running out to save the future. Picard takes matters into his own hands and seeks out an old friend for help. Meanwhile, Rios ends up on the wrong side of the law and Jurati makes a deal with the Borg queen. Episode four is entitled watcher and we'll be covering it here for you on discovering trek picard and don't forget that you can support discovering trek and the trek geeks podcast network by subscribing to bonus content on patreon get access to unedited audio of all our podcasts and a lot of other awesome perks if you'd like to support this and the other member podcast on the trek geeks podcast network beam on over to patreon.com slash Trek geeks where subscriptions start as low as $2 a month. And for more great star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcasts on the network. In addition to discovering Trek, there is Trek geeks, rewind, Politrex, five-year mission, deep space, pride drawn to Trek, infinite Trek, the divine treasury, the sci-fi sisters, science station two with the first link and the newest podcast to grace the network con pod, which is going to deal with star Trek conventions. You can find all of these shows and where to listen on trekgeeks.com slash listen, or by downloading the Trek geeks mobile app, the Trek geeks podcast network. No one talks Trek like we do. Casey. Awesome to have you come aboard and play with the B team for, for, uh, for an episode here. <laughs> Loved it. Thank you guys for the invitation. It's fantastic. Oh, it was a blast. It was a blast. So going into next week, how is Rios going to escape? How deep is this connection to the Borg queen for Jurati? And again, who is the watcher for God's sakes? <sighs> Stay tuned to Discovering Trek for our breakdown of each episode. Now, thinking about what happened toward the end of this episode, we're going to close with a quote from Picard from last year. Talking to Rios, he said, we have powerful tools, openness, optimism, and the spirit of curiosity. All they have is secrecy and fear. And fear is the great destroyer. Until next time. Never stop discovering.
Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.